Welcome in to Trust the Process Live. It is only Monday, but it feels like it has been so much longer. So guys, and before we get to introductions, there, there's this old adage. I think it came from like the 18th century. I, I don't know who said it. Um, first name was Bruce. I, I think it's a second last name. It was an old scholar. It might've been Bruce Wayne. Um, it, it goes something <laughs> like uh, you either live long enough to see yourself die a hero or no, you'd either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And if that exactly is not the is. truest thing I ever heard, I, it, I'm not taking credit for it. It's these 17th century Elizabethan area era scholar. I don't know. Bruce Wayne, look him up, see what you get. Uh, it, it, it could be a good Google search, but as always, I'm your host, James Hyden. I'm here with my guys, and I'm going to switch up the order because we like to have fun here. The man with digits in his name, he might have taken some out. He might have added some. I don't know. He's a wild card. Max Coolish, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How's it going, boys? How are we feeling tonight? I'm good. Digit, digit got a little lighter. Took the mop off. Yeah. I, now, now I don't look like an idiot if I do this. Now I'm just <laughs> a normal person. I like it. I like it. My man. All right. Well, before before we get to the the, the tried and true nicknames, we got a new one to debut. I'm not yeah. sure. I've never said it before. I've never said it out loud. I'm not sure I'm how not I'm going to feel about it. You So so you guys got to tell us how you feel about it. I'm about it. My man, Josh Saffron, who they also like to call Doc Lock. Doc Lock. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. All right, all right. Uh, I'm looking. I'm watching the meter. I think it's one of those things where. Well, first of all, let me say how hard it is to to come up with a nickname, to come up with an alter ego, and second of all, I am so happy that the Ravens covered because if they didn't, I might have had to have like deleted the video and shut it all down. And going one and three in your first segment would have been rough, but that'd have been rough. I'm that'd doing rough. two and two. I'm doing okay, and and you know maybe the nickname will get better as these picks get better. I, li- I like the idea of the alter ego more. I think that's way, way cooler. Way cooler. Well, I think if it's an alter ego and not a nickname, you got to come with like the Doc Lock look. I need like the re- the small, oh, dark glasses. You might have to put some tentacles on yourself. Like you got to, you got to lean into it if it's an alter ego. Well, hey, where do you think Banner came from? Um, but my man, <laughs> the YG young gentleman himself, James Jackson, how are you, yes, fella? sir? I'm good. I'm good. Look. I told you there's there is a couple things that put a big smile on my face and getting to talk smack about the Eagles is one of them. Oh. So it's a good oh. day for me. Y'all, y'all world is topsy turvy. Hey. My team won a playoff game. Two days ago, and and your, your world is shaky, baby. Oh, come on. Oh, no, 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 sir. Don't choose violence. 500 team. You don't get Woke to, up and chose violence. Around. Woke up and chose violence. Early. Better hope that that black and gold monkey gets off your back or else we're going to have a real fun show next week. Yeah, I know. That's going to be a good one. I don't want to worry about that until this weekend. The, uh, the Vikings didn't make the playoffs to uh, to make their <laughs> annual trouncing of their or annual win over the Saints. So maybe next year, but uh, hopefully, JJ, they can, uh, they can give you that one next week. I'm going to jump right into it into the main event and guys i gotta tell you i was uh i I was excited to have a main event be about our basketball team i was that's it's what i wanted to see (sighs) but alas mondays are as unpredictable as ever and we got the news around 245 three o'clock this afternoon i i think is when i saw it the head coach of the philadelphia eagles doug dougie p peterson has been fired now this obviously can go many, many, many different ways, but I'm going to start out. I'm going to start out. I'm going to start out with one question. And Josh, Doc Locke, I'm going to bring it to you, my friend, first. Oh, I love it. I'm going to bring it to you. I'm going to toss you this question. 
your immediate reactions, but following that, tell me if it's a lock. Tell me if it's a lock. I want, I want lock or no lock. Is Howie Roseman next? Oh, no lock. Absolutely no lock. Yes. Like, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. If it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. I mean, that's how I think. It was either Howie, Howie goes and Doug goes later. I just think the fact that we're here right now, Doug's here. We've heard just about no whispers of Howie in the last week or so leaving. I, he's here to stay, and, and it really hurts. I don't think he should be here to stay. Uh, but my, my immediate reactions regarding Doug Peterson – January 11th, 2021, mark it down. Day that will live in infamy because that is the day the Philadelphia Eagles went from being competitive year in and year out to toiling in mediocrity for at least another five years immediately following this move. That, that's my immediate reactions. I think they made a huge mistake. I've said it all year. I've been pro Doug Peterson. And I thought I was in the minority for a long time, but, but now that they fired him, it seems like everyone who loved Doug Peterson has suddenly become the loudest voice in the room. I, I just I just feel weird. I don't like it. And hey, I'll let you guys go and, and we'll get more into it. But I, I just feel bad. All right. So J- JJ is Howie Roseman next. Immediate reactions to to this firing. Um, my my immediate reaction from the outside looking in uh, was was kind of peculiar. Like you know, kind of you know the one eyebrow up, one eyebrow down thing. Head cocked to the side and like why why this move? Why now without Howie? And I think the fact that we, we saw Doug Peterson get let go first, like if Howie was going to get fired, I think Howie was going to get fired, you know, either along with Doug Peterson or get fired first. But I think the fact that we saw Doug go, I think that means I'm with you, Josh, that I think we see Howie stay at least for the interim, if not Howie being yeah. here for good, however you guys want to take that. Um, but also I've, I've noticed that this entire season, you know, Eagles fans have been trying to, to, not place blame, but figure out who's at fault. Figure out why this season has gone so awry. And it's been three people, right? Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman. And for the entire season, people have said it's either it's a combination of the three or it's all three. And then dominoes started to fall. And then that's when I started really putting on some observation glasses and I noticed something. First domino to fall was Carson Wentz losing his starting job. And then when Carson Wentz lost his starting job, a lot of people, a lot of Eagles fans came out and were saying, hey, you know, don't slander Carson Wentz. Don't call him a bad quarterback. Don't say he lost it. You know, he's just going through a rough pass. Jalen Hurts is going to get us through the rest of the season. Then Doug Peterson got fired today. And then Josh, just like you said, all of a sudden, Doug Peterson fans are the loudest people in the room. All of a sudden, you, you hear a lot of, you know, thank you for the Super Bowl. Doug, you were a good coach. It just didn't, you know, sorry it didn't work out this year. You know, hope you get another good, you know, good head coaching job. A lot of, you know, uh, good farewells and, and fair weather tones came from Eagles fans. And then the last man standing is Howie Roseman, and no one can stand him. Now, nobody can stand him. So I'm, I'm almost looking where the Eagles had three decisions to make. They made the first two, and it seems like they made the first two wrong decisions based on the reactions from their fan base, from their hopefuls, where you, you know, they, they benched Carson Wentz, people didn't really like that. They, they fired Doug Peterson, people didn't really like that. And now the only person left standing is Howie Roseman. It seems like that it was just the wrong move to make. That was just the last thing that they should have done. So that's my immediate reaction is the Eagles just got it wrong. They, they just completely messed it up. And when you hear, start hearing reports that Carson Wentz's possibility um, – 
Carson Wentz's possibility of staying has just significantly increased with the Doug Peterson firing. Let you know that there was a whole bunch of entanglement in this situation. You guys sound like a drama-filled cheerleading squad now. Like now that someone is gone, somebody else is happy. Like, oh, no, Carson Wentz wants to stay now, or Carson Wentz can stay now because Doug Peterson got fired. It lets you know that th- there was a, a whole bunch of mess and, and grapevines tangled in this whole thing all season. And it just culminated as, you know, Howie, Ro- Howie Roseman and, and Jeff Lloyd made a decision. And that's kind of why I think Howie Roseman is here to stay, because it seems like Howie had a hand in making this Doug Peterson firing instead of Howie Roseman going with him. So I think Howie's, I don't think Howie's next. I think the decision's been made, and now we look to move forward in filling those vacant coaching positions. Yeah, Max a million immediate reactions, and uh, is Howie Roseman gone too? I mean, there's no doubt that Howie Roseman's here. That's 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 not how the dominoes would have fallen. They they mm-hmm. fall together. They there were the GM goes first because you don't you don't fire you don't fire a coach to to you know when your GM is in this much of a hot seat. Right, like Howie Roseman should have and could have very easily been fired this year. So what are you going to do? Are you going to bring in one coach for a one year? has the pressure of the GM potentially being fired over his head all year. And then what happens when the GM gets fired after next year, then you bring in a different GM who's going to fire that head coach and bring his guy in. So Mm -hmm. that's my, that that's, that's my biggest worry here is that we're not doing a, you know, you're not committing to to anything here. You're, you're being, you're being wishy-washy. And and this gives me, this gives me late aught Sixers vibes where, where you're just trying to figure things out as you go and, and you stumble into you know, 41 and 43 every year and you get killed by the Pistons in four games and you'll ever score more than 82 points or, you know, those numbers might be true. I'm making them up off the top of my head. My point here is this, this Eagles, this Eagles. And I, I feel, I have to say, because I stuck up for him last week, I said, this guy has shown me over my whole lifetime that he is a good owner, but this is, this is the most baffling decision I can think of Jeffrey, Jeffrey Lauren making because he, it seems like he hasn't learned from last time where he, he let Howie Roseman have too much power and have too much say. And, and like, you know, Howie being in a, in a more reserved role, you know, it, it, it was, you know, I would think we all hated the Chip Carey, Chip, Chip Kelly era, man, that's a tongue twister. But fact of the matter is when Howie Roseman was in a much reserved role for those three years, we finished 10 and six, 10 and six and seven and nine, seven and nine is not the worst burn it all down record you could ever have just so happens that the coach completely lost the locker room. So if you look at the track record of the Eagles when Howie Roseman is not as involved as he has been for the last two to three years, it's significantly better. And that's a huge, should, it should be a huge tell to Jeffrey Lurie. Like, Hey, maybe this guy shouldn't be so high up in the food chain. He had a perfect role. He found for him in terms of, of being the money guy, being the man behind the books. And I don't know. I don't know what has changed in the last three years because it's not like Howie has, has exceeded expectations as a GM and, and shown that he's anything more than a glorified cap specialist. Mm-hmm. And that, that is really the frustrating thing to me here is that you're getting rid of one of the most important figures in Eagles history, especially, you know, the most important moment in Eagles history. He's an integral figure to it. And it, it's very frustrating. This, it, it doesn't feel like they're, it doesn't feel like any, any result of this particular move leads to, an improvement sometime in the next two to three years. Not anytime soon. Yeah. Not anytime soon. I'm going to call my shot right here, right now. Eagles 2022 hard knocks book it book. Yeah. They might be. Yeah. Yeah. They might be. I would love that. 
So this whole that. situation kind of screams to me Howie Roseman being moved into a John Elway type role, like the the, mm. the being separated from the GM role and put into more of a, a president of because let's be honest, like they don't want to admit they were wrong with Howie Roseman. They don't want to like shoulder all the blame on him, which to me, I don't really understand, but to, to save face for the guy, I mean, give him his paycheck, uh, give him a quote unquote promotion to, to save face for the media and put him in at the president of football operations or, or I mean, some, he's, he's done good things some, for the organization. Yeah. He's just, there's, there's track record over, multiple chunks of the same decade showing that he is not a good talent evaluator. It's, it's the same reason that it's the same reason you fired Doug. Roster. He can, he can be tasked with, with helping build a football roster. He can be, you know, one of the, the people in the circle of that, but when it comes to, you know, when it comes to the people that see the field, right? Like he shouldn't be the one determining who they want to see the field. He should be the guy that once a player is determined that he's a fit for the Eagles as a player, how he should be the next guy in there to figure right. out how to get him to the teams in the best financial situation possible. Right. Because how, Howie Roseman is one of the most, Howie Roseman is one of the most underrated traders in the yeah. We We were screaming his praises. Um, and he, rightly he so after makes fantastic trades at certain times, but th- there's, there's no denying or, or debating that his record as 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 head drafter or key draft member is is anything but trash it's it's terrible and i don't care if you find you know a great undrafted free agent here or there or you know you make a nice pickup off somebody else's practice squad that's not sustainable mm-hmm. it's not sustainable you need to draft you need to draft well with your high picks to consistently win in the nfl the teams that don't do that and do the exact opposite are the teams that are bad the reason that the Jags, the Lions, the Bengals, the Browns until this year. There's a reason that the same core group of teams, everyone in, in our age group has cemented in their minds as being the laughing stock teams because they're the same teams picking in the top 10 every year, showing that they can't develop talent and they can't make the right hires. I don't want the Eagles to go down the road of being in the position to have to draft high all the time and have to make the right hires all the time because for some reason, no NFL team can do it consistently well. And, and Max, to your, to your point about all those teams, those are all teams who are consistent. Yeah, he's not a great coaches. draftsman. Those are the teams that are consistently rotating their coaches. And, exactly. and now, that's the biggest problem. That's, this is the first time ever that I've been watching the Eagles and there's been a vacancy. I mean, I believe it's the first time. There's been a vacancy at head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive complete coordinator. Overhaul. Complete overhaul. Complete overhaul. to have a complete overhaul three years removed from winning the Super Bowl. And even if you take away the Super Bowl aspect, I just, I, you know, we, we did say that the Doug Peterson lovers are somehow all of a sudden the loudest voice in the room. I just don't understand how any Eagles fan can look at this as a positive. And, and I get your gripes with Doug Peterson, but it's just, you, you have to understand that there's no way this team is going to be a playoff team. And, next and here's year. the thing. Here's the thing. Doug Peterson has had many faults in the past year, two years, you know, you know, maybe even since the Super Bowl, we'd seen him gone down. But the team that going into the next season, are $72 million over the cap with an aging oh roster God. with holes at major position cores like linebacker, like defensive back. That's not the head coach's fault. That's the GM's fault. All of that is the GM's fault. Every single one of that is Harry Roseman's fault. And it's even more not Doug Peterson's fault because he doesn't even have the authority to make those decisions. He just, he just gets handed ingredients and and Howie Roseman says make me my meal 
And I always go back to, to Bill Parcells, one of the most famous football yeah. quotes he had when he left the Cowboys and got mad at Jerry Jones. He said, you want me to cook dinner, but you won't let me buy the ingredients. So like, how, how do you want me to put a successful team together when you keep drafting these bad guys, giving them to me and say, go, go with me in Super Bowl. That's not how this works. If you want me, you saw what I can do with my guys. If you want me to continue to be successful, I have to have say in drafting. I have to have say in free agency. I have to have say in trades. And Doug Peterson's parting words were, man, I got sick of being told what to do all the time. Like at some point, winning a Super Bowl has to give me the cachet to have the keys, to be able to to run and do something to get my guys. I proved that with my success. But Harry Roseman was just unwilling to give up that kind of authority and that kind of power. And it it ran him into the ground. But still, Harry Roseman is the one who who saves his job. It's just, it's, it's wild it's mind-boggling so jj let me pose let me pose another question to you man all all of this kind of takes us along the it takes us down the same train tracks and it's like we're walking parallel two people on side by side Mm -hmm. and it feels like carson might have diverged now from those thoughts what comes next for carson wentz you know what i truly think i think carson Wentz got his starting job back i think I think now that Doug Peterson is out the door, I think the Eagles as a whole, the organization's collective thought is let's get somebody in here to get the 2017 Carson Wentz back. Like now that the guy who clearly didn't want Carson Wentz, who couldn't call a play or couldn't call a game for Carson Wentz is gone, I need to find a guy who can. Because Harry Roseman being the GM, being the money guy, still knows I have 180 million guaranteed tied up in this dude. I have the most guaranteed money at the time of a quarterback tied up in this dude. I'm not letting it go the year after we gave him that contract. It's just not happening. So now that Doug Peterson is gone, I think the Eagles' first thought is get a guy in here who gets Carson Wentz back on the track so he can put a $180 million guy back on the field. That's what I think happens with, I think Carson Wentz just got his job back. Yeah, I don't JJ. think it's, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a quarterback controversy. I don't think it's something that he has to win back at camp. I think Carson Wentz just went back to QB one. I truly believe that. And, and I, th- I think right. he nailed it. And I just, the one word to describe that for me is soft. And it's just, it frustrates me because yeah, I've been one of the biggest Hurts guys, but I'm not going to sit here and, and wave my Hurts flag right now because I, I agree with you completely. It feels like Carson Wentz just won his job back. Mm-hmm. And this is it was strictly a business decision. I feel a, lot, a lot, big part of it was Doug Peterson saying, yeah, I, I want more, and, and the Eagles not giving him more. But I really feel like it's a, it's a two-parter, and the other two-parter is the $29 million man or however exact amount it is. At the end of the day, it was, it was going to cost them less money. You know, They were going to lose less assets if they got rid of Doug and tried to build around Wentz. And just as a football fan, like, like looking at on the field, that does not sit well with me. You know, after mm-hmm. seeing these weeks of Jalen Hurts, quote unquote, earn his job, forget about week 17. And now that I, I completely agree, JJ, it feels like on the depth chart, Carson Wentz is one, Jalen Hurts is two. And, and this is complete speculation, but I just so have that feeling. Like that's what that move said to me. Yeah. I, but do we like, to the people who really want Jalen Hurts to start, like, do they watch the full games? Like, do they watch the full and 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 when I say this, do they watch the full three and a half games or like? I mean, ask, less ask, than three and a half. Games? Ask Doc Lockdown, man. That's that's the biggest. Like, are, are like we're Hertz, we're being here like, like the the second halves of all those games, like I like good can't even enter that sentence because none of the second halves were good. 
Mm. Well, who um, looked better, Jalen Hurts or Carson Wentz this year? Like that's that's really what it is. And and to me, it's Jalen Hurts. No, no, no you, and, you, you, I'm, well, to I'm me, not, to I'm me, not, it's, I'm not disputing Carson Wentz had a bad season, but yeah. we're really good. Like we like. If you're really ready to uh, ready to proclaim a rookie starter who doesn't even have a full four games under his belt left and hasn't played a good full four quarters of football consecutively, like if we're if we're ready to do that, I think everybody needs to take a step back and kind of recompose. Yeah, but you know what have I, mean? I been saying for the longest time, gentlemen? The Eagles need to move forward, and this giving Carson Wentz his job back is is. Spinning your wheels in the same spot. Now you no, may spin those wheels and get some traction and move disagrees. forward, but I think it, it's more risky. Yeah, but banners, banners, no, you, you bring up a good point. Like it's a, it's a fair point because it's just it's the classic track record versus recency bias. And, and even I, I get what you're saying, like even the recency bias, like, like you could say it's not fully for Jalen Hurts. I think, you know, it's just Deer is just going to answer a lot of the questions because I think with me for Wentz, I really am fearful of the injury bug. Like, I feel like the injuries have made him not the same player. And that's what we saw this year. Hertz is like, a, it's like a Christmas present, you know, like you, you, it's brand new. Brand brand new. And like brand new is, is the enemy of tried and true because like, I'm not sure how you watch the Eagles games and, and see what like, it, dude, like if you, if, like if you, if you watch what the offense was under Doug Peterson um, with Jalen Hurts under, uh, under center, that's what the play calling should have been with Carson Wentz under center, but it wasn't that way. I've made the point earlier, like you were doing nothing to accentuate Carson Wentz's um, strengths behind one of the worst offensive lines that you've seen, which was also injured. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, like, I, I don't know how anybody is writing any kind of book about Carson Wentz because there was really nothing to write home about in terms of actual evidence to who are like, whether or not this guy can play quarterback. But you, but, like but Banners, you also made the point that that was purposeful, that there, there like, were two different playbooks that, that Doug Peterson was purposely not, not doing that to get Carson Wentz off the field. So I he mean, get his guy on the field. I stand by we that. Play, we needed a coach to Wentz's strengths. What were Wentz's strengths this year? Anyone want to tell me? That's what I'm saying. Well, no, you, you don't, you didn't see his strengths because they weren't called upon. Like he didn't, like he literally, there was a play. Like, I, I brought this up last time, the press conference where Doug Peterson said, yeah, we oh, need wow. to roll him out. And there's only one bootleg in the whole game. Like you'd like, you can't see any strengths with a, with an offensive line that's composed of dudes who, who should be third stringers. You're not going to be able to see strengths. That's like, that's not how the game works. He doesn't have time. So well, it's, it's, I mean, he was bad before his whole offensive line went to hell. That's all I'm saying. And, and also to that point, I mean, that's why I give Jalen Hurts a lot of credit because it's the same personnel that you, you use as an excuse for why Carson Wentz is performing so bad. Hurts comes in there and, and with no games previously, he's making plays happen. And, and I'm going into this next season with, with an open mind because I, I was giving up on Carson Wentz towards the end. Now I do have hope. I'm going to give whoever comes in as the new coach, like a, like a fair shake, say like, hey, go ahead. See what you can do with Carson Wentz. Maybe Doug Peterson really was trying to screw him over, but I don't believe it. Like I'll believe Josh, that. Josh, that's, that's exactly why I think Carson Wentz got his job back because it's not like you just fired the head coach or yeah. just fired the offensive coordinator. The, the, the coaching tree is completely new. So I think whoever comes in, comes in with, with Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Loring saying, hey, everyone here has a clean slate. Everyone here, forget last season. Carson, forget last season. It was an anomaly. It was bad. You hey, got a fresh, case, you got a fresh he, start he now. Around under get different back. coaching, I'll, I'll happily yeah, and and I'll be I'll be happy as as the next Eagles fan in the world. I I will be ecstatic if Wentz 
turns around and, and looks any type of semblance towards, I don't even want to say the year. I don't even want to say those four numbers in a row. I'm not even going to say it. I'm going to say that he looks like a decent NFL quarterback, regardless of year, yeah. right? That's all I'm looking for. But quite frankly, like Carson Wentz lost us the first game of the season against the Washington football team. Carson Wentz was unable on multiple attempts and occasions to win us a game against Cincinnati on the road. Um, I'm trying to, th- I mean, because the Eagles, the Eagles should have dominated those two games. And, and those, I think those two losses, you know, not to, not to go too far down this terrible memory lane, but those two games are in the first four games of your season. You're supposed to, those are supposed to be two easy wins. Those are supposed to be two. I'm not sure how we like, I'm not sure where we divulge though, by saying like, it's all Carson Wentz's fault and they should have dominated while also well, I'm saying this. I'm using those two games as an example because they're early on in the season before the whole injury bug destroyed the team. Week one against Washington, what's your excuse? We didn't have the best offensive line, but for Brandon Brooks, what else? No, but what, you don't what, have what's an your offense. excuse for Wednesday? Like, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure the why the. I'm not sure why the arguments separate from from. No, when but we're I'm saying that is a key Wentz. part in this argument because you're saying that Carson Wentz had no talent around him and had no nothing to work with, and you specifically use the offensive line as being the key example of. I mean, I could have gone to the wide receivers the and the running backs so and the and the tight ends. I could have gone everywhere. But he had on the, the wide receivers in the didn't. Washington game too, before the injuries hit. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz individually, the receivers are not the ones taking 12 yard sacks on third down to lose us a field goal range, which ultimately exactly. So how, wait, how are you blaming the guy that? How are you blaming the guy that had that got sacked 50 times in not even a you full season? Every other quarterback in the league 75. is capable of doing under pressure, throwing the ball away. Guess what? Carson Wentz did not do a single time week one against Washington throw the ball away under pressure. The Eagles win that game by double digits if he plays like a fifth-year quarterback. They do. That's a fact, dude. That's a straight-up fact. If Kirk, if Kirk Cousins did the same thing against the Lions, you would be You'd be livid. You'd be livid. A veteran quarterback <laughs> against a what do you, bad wait, team. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean if? That happens every week. Let's not let's not act like it's, it's – <laughs> I, I would have killed for Kirk Cousins to be the Eagles quarterback yep. this year. Not yep. actually because of the – All right, come on. Yeah. Settle, settle down. Vacuum, we, we both know that's not true. Out of the water this year. We both know that's not true. Um, but we'll, we'll, Kirk, we'll Kirk Cousins was a better quarterback than Lentz. I don't want him on the Eagles because he would have taken two steps and got hurt on the, his second snap here behind that line. So, yes, I understand different situations. But, you know, if you want to just look at – if you did player A and player B comparisons, anybody is taking Kirk Cousins in a blind comparison this year. Anybody. Yeah, but context is king. Um, and my con- – okay, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Context is king. And the context is that Carson Wentz played bad with everybody until they, before they got hurt. So thank you. I, well, that, that, and there, and there's context to that too, because the, like there weren't really any injuries to the skill position. I mean, Jalen Rager missed two games, but what did he have otherwise? And everybody else, I mean, the offensive line got injured. It wasn't starting from a great point. Miles Sanders isn't a three down, four down running back. Um, Goddard got hurt. I mean, Zach Ertz wasn't Zach Ertz fell off. Like it's, it's really everybody's starting from zero. I feel it's, it's kind of, I don't know. My whole thing is Carson Wentz was the best when he was coached hard by John DeFilippo. So we all know that, but that's two years again. in the past now. We all know well, that. I, that's I, that's, that's just my thing. I'm, I'm he could come back. He, he got let go by, uh, by the Jags, I believe. I would he love did. to see him. Uh, he, he's the, uh, he was, or he is, well, I mean, the bears lost, but he was the quarterback's coach in uh, Chicago. In Chicago, thank you. Yeah, not yeah, not. Well, we're gonna we're gonna switch gears. Um, and this this is (laughs) this is good. So 
our our the, our basketball team's name is no longer uh is no longer what it was. Um it is the the Seven Sixers because That's hilarious by There the way. are seven Sixers available. Uh it, they they have eight available for tonight, but Oh boy. This is Mike Scott returning from a five game injury absence. <laughs> yeah. Um Adam Silver pretty much forced Mike Scott to put on a uniform um, to, to get the Sixers to play. Meanwhile, now there is a, a litany of games that are getting postponed. And I guess we're all sitting here wondering why. Um, one so, yesterday, I believe. There's one today, one and tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. And tomorrow. And tomorrow. So, Jesus, Max, I mean, like, do we are, are, are we officially calling this, like, Adam Silver stealing a game from the Sixers? Like, I mean – I mean, kind of, nah, like, objectively, kind of. I'll say it. say it. I mean, yes. Yeah. I don't think, like, the thing is, it's so easy for me as a Sixers fan to feel victimized by the big, bad NBA after the whole, the whole same thing. It, it is, it is. A lot of Sixers fans think the NBA has out for us. Like, I'm not one of those people, but you do not need to go far to find them. You not. I'm sure. I'm sure Josh is one. I'm sure Josh is one of those people. I'm a hundred percent one of those people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's not a surprise. I'm sure so, Josh would be. I mean, the Sixers obviously got the short end of a stick, but the NBA has been making a lot of people play with the short end of the stick this year. Um, I really think, the, believe it or not, the Onion, unbelievably, the Onion does it again. The Onion on November 30th, headline, NBA feels like it has done enough to get praise, now allows player to get COVID. So, I mean, that's really all you need to know. They that's did the good. bubble. They got applauded. We, 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 gave them, we gave them the round of applause on here. They did the bubble right. And then what did they do? They went right around and they went full NFL on us. And they said, hey, guys, four games in a week, a couple road games, a couple home games. What could go wrong? Go what could go wrong? What could, what go, could wrong? go wrong? Josh, what could go wrong, right? What, what, oh. tell, tell, me, tell me why you feel and, and try to explain the mindset of, of everybody else out there that feels like the, the commissioner, Adam Silver, robbed the Sixers of a game. The, uh, Commissioner Adam Silver, or Dave Silver, as some of the other people refer to him, uh. who believe – he is. Whoa. He has it out for the Sixers. I'm calling him Dave Silver tonight because that's what he deserves. So first of all, he completely stole the game from the Sixers. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Considering the Celtics were in an identical situation, the coddled, coddled Celtics got to take the night off. And and not only did they take the night off, it's the safe thing. Like, what do you want these guys risking the spread of COVID? Like, let's not forget about that aspect of those things. And then there's the thing that uh that Doc Rivers brought up, and the thing that we saw. The fact that Mike Scott had to suit up and do warmups as, as, as someone who was injured. Like, there's just so many problems with it. Forget about the competitive standpoint. That's like, the red flag. That's the big red flag. That's the that's big huge. red flag. And, like, we were talking about the Nets and, and Nuggets games. Like, oh, are these going to be good tests? Now, I, because of COVID, neither of them were. And especially that Nuggets game. But, but what I'm saying is forget what about Nets the – When did they play the Nets? I, I didn't yeah, know. It's, yeah, convenient for you to forget about the Nets game. Go yeah, ahead. it's it's just no, it's just a crime. And the fact that I don't know if this is on the Sixers, I don't know if this is on the NBA, but the fact that Seth Curry was on the bench in the first quarter after getting that test, the whole thing really just seems like a mess. And I, I don't think that there's any way that you can say I, I, I'm just saying, yeah, Silver, he's got it out for us, and he stole a good game against the Nuggets. I wanted to watch that Jokic Embiid, but uh, you know, big bad Dave Silver at it again. It's actually Boy. a hilariously entertaining game 
even though what? like even under under the circumstances um and we'll get to why shout out to the kids the kids played their heart shout out, out to the kids yeah. they oh, did yeah. play no way. We'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll like get, a quarter and a we'll half we'll get to the reason close. why in a minute okay, okay, we'll get sorry. to the reason why in a minute uh, for like JJ. a quarter and a half for like a quarter and a half it was kind of close i was like oh they might actually yeah. like keep this close yeah, that, that the was the yeah. spunkiest 16 point deficit in the middle of the third quarter i've ever seen right i was you know i was i was giving it to him so jj was there a robbery uh, there are a few times that I think a fan base has the right to actually sit back and say they got robbed or they got done bad by the league. And this is like one of the very few cases where I give the Sixers fans their 30 to actually gripe about what happened and the way Adam Silver handled it. You can go and get your 30. You can get just, yours. I'm, I, I'm, because I'm, not, I'm just not one of those people, honestly. I, I don't need it. Like, I've been so beaten down by Big Bad Dave that this is just like at the bottom I mean, I, of the But I list. understand it because, one, my, my very first thought about the, the COVID situation is when you talk about contract t- tracing with a team, how does the entire team not contract trace one person? You're all in the same locker room. You're all in the same clubhouse. Okay. You're all on the same bench, on the same team playing, doing the same things. How does it hit seven of the 12 players, but it doesn't hit the rest of the five? Like, I don't, I don't understand how it just stops at a certain people, how it's all your best players. But then when you get to Danny Green, it's like, nah, Danny Green is cool. Put Danny Green out there. Yeah. Like, I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't understand how they just that, that logistically doesn't work for you, doesn't, doesn't sit right for me. So it only like, hit the kinda, starters lunch table, I guess. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> cool kids table. It only hit the cool kids table. Yeah. The cool kids yeah table. I, I understand that. And, and, you know, it's something that I'm, a, you know, I was, I was going to save for my tap out. I'll get into my tap out a little bit later. But Max, you make a great point that the NBA kind of just took themselves down a peg. They did it right with the bubble. And then they kind of just came back to normalcy and, and figured that they could just do it, you know, just do the NBA season normally and, you know, players wouldn't get COVID. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, Josh, you make another good point too. It's the safe thing. Like what, like if seven out of the 12 players have contract trace contract tracing of COVID, why not take the rest of the players out too? Why risk infecting a whole nother team as well? Isn't that how this whole shutdown started? Because right. one and person permeated the entire league. Like, isn't that how this started? So why why do yeah. that? And and, and now like, you're seeing the NBA because they want to just put their head down like the NFL and go forward, break their own rules. Like if, if a team dressed an injured player, if a, if a player was on the injury report and a team dressed them, that team in normal circumstances gets fined because you can't dress a hurt player. You can't do that. That's to the detriment of that player. It's to the detriment of the product of the league. But when the NBA just wants to go step yeah. fast and do it, no, Mike Scott, you got to, even if you're not going to play. Hard rib nuts. Hard rib The Sixers do have the unfortunate, the unfortunate kind of position of being the guinea pigs of this whole thing. They were the first team to get this bulk contract tracing. The NBA said, let's see what happens if we just make them play. Not only did it look bad, not only did the NBA get bad press, but they got absolutely blown out and just just shouldn't have been out there. So now afterwards, what happens? Okay, we're not going to subject the Celtics to that. We're not going to subject other teams to that. And well, I, I got a conspiracy theory that Josh is going to love. Go oh, let's hear it. The Sixers were forced to play that game because it was their first city edition jersey wear of the of Ooh, this. money. Look, hey. That'll always be remembered. Though that these these black yeah. city edition jerseys are always going to be remembered tainted. as the seven man COVID jerseys. Now. No, those seven hey, those, man COVID jerseys. Those city edition jerseys were tainted the second that they were referred to as New Philadelphia. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Yeah, I don't know who looks at Boathouse Row and thinks New Philadelphia. It's like the oldest thing me? in Philadelphia. <laughs> 
Um, so the, the next question we're going to, we're going to buzz through really quickly because I want to highlight the reason why that Denver Nuggets game was so fun to watch. Um, and I feel like we're the, the question I'm about to ask you guys, we're going to actually have a better answer to it. Um, because the same situation is kind of going to pop up in the next coming weeks. Um, so real quickly, guys, just going around, going around the table, just real quick, Max, we kind of, should we be concerned about that Nets game? Uh, no, big, biggest, biggest, oh biggest God, trap man. game in history. Tra- oh my I went, I went full doc lock mode and took the Nets plus four that night. Sucker line You're for taking the Sixers. Money line. Sucker line, line for the Sixers. Easiest money of my NBA season so far. No, that is the epitome of a trap game. How are you going to, ju- I can't, I'm not going to judge that game either way because how, what did we see? We saw a game that is never going to be played out again between those two teams because three out of the four biggest stars weren't playing. Who cares? Just right. because you hit, just and because you hit on your bet, does doesn't no, mean you shouldn't worry about the gambler. game. I'm saying I don't care as a fan because when if we ever play a game that matters versus that team, it'll, it'll never look anything like what we saw. But last but, 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 but but digits weren't was it not you just merely a week ago that was saying when the Nets didn't have KD, not not and Kyrie, but when they didn't have KD, the Sixers need to go and win this game. They need yeah, to they go did. and, and then we didn't Okay, so when you so when so when Kyrie. Kyrie gets taken off too and they lose, now all of a sudden you're not worried. Yeah, but we, the Sixers needed to game? win that game. The game or was that a Simmons game? Say it again. One of one of Embiid or Simmons missed that game. I'm pretty. Embiid sure. missed that game. Simmons Embiid missed that game. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, Actually, no, they both were there. No, no, they both played. played. They both played. They both played. Okay, there's no excuse for losing that game. There's no to me. There's no. No, It's a terrible loss. Yeah, it's a terrible loss. But you can you can call it a trap game all you want. You need to be worried the fact that you didn't go and take care of business because the Nets still have the Nets still have good role players and it's still the Nets. Like you, you still have to go and and win. That's why it's a trap game because that that scrappy Nets team without superstars is the one that have been playing the Sixers hard for years. That's why I knew to bet on them. Yep. And. I mean, this that Nets team, and specifically Karis LeVert, he, he yes. just has his way. If Spencer Dinwiddie was playing in that game, that would have been a 40-point blowout mm-hmm. or something like that. Like, the Nets own the 76ers, and, and, and it was – So how are you not worried? I don't know. How are you not worried that a team that's supposed to finish back to top back two, top three in the, in the East with both of their superstars can't beat a team superstarless? Because Why are you not worried? team anymore. Huh? It's not the same team anymore. They had a so Kyrie. They're, they're lesser of a team. So you should be able to beat them because they're way lesser of a team. Yeah, but this if you have expectations, you should win that game. You're showing me that you don't have expectations for the Sixers then. Because if you have expectations for the Sixers, they needed to win oh, that come game. come on, dude. They needed to that win that game. Garbage. That's garbage. That's like saying, and, and this is this is a spring attack on you. The Suns are losing by 30 at Washington right now with no Russell Westbrook. That's like me saying you can't have aspirations for the Suns because you guys should win this I, game. I, well, I didn't say the Suns winning. were going to finish top three in the West. I say the Suns are, I'm happy if the Suns make the playoffs. I'm happy if the, you're talking about the Sixers being top three in the East and then losing to a KD and Kyrie-less Nets. I'm you're losing to the worst the Suns, team in the maybe East maybe right making now the eight 30. Team. I'm talking about maybe making the eight seed. And you're talking about top three. We're talking about two different things here, buddy. Two different things. Okay. Way, way different. That I was a spring attack. That was a nice try. That was a spring attack. Lost, then neither can you. Huh? That's all I'm saying. If I have to I give up my expectations can. after one bad loss, so do you. JJ, wait, let me, let me rephrase I'm not saying you have answer. to give up your expectations. I'm saying you should be worried about the game. You're trying to pass off this game as a laissez-faire loss. And I'm saying that, that was, it's, it's, a bad, it's a bad loss, but not indicative of what would happen in a playoff series. It does make That was worried. a bad course, loss. But... That was a bad loss, but I don't think Sixers fans should be worried because of that game. It was a weird situation. 
Hopefully that situation is going to rise again. And that was Joel Embiid's first time playing the second night of a back-to-back and who knows how long, like, like as much as it and, and that, and, and the culmination of all that doesn't worry you. The fact that Joel Embiid couldn't get it up to beat it. The first time he's playing the second, the second night of a back-to-back couldn't get up to beat the Nets without Katie and Kyrie. That, that all, all this doesn't worry you. Yes, it's not indicative of, of what's going to happen in the playoff series. But guess what? Injuries players happen. Players miss games. Players miss games. Injuries happen. So, so if you're saying that if you're coming to the Nets down the road later in the season, even in the playoffs, and either KD or Kyrie misses, let's be honest, Kyrie might miss again because he just didn't feel like playing. So he might just wake up and not feel like playing that day. So if Kyrie doesn't feel like playing again, and, and you're saying the Sixers lose, you should still wouldn't, shouldn't be worried down, later down the road. I'm saying you got to handle business. You were the best. You at the time had the best record in the NBA. You were the best team in the NBA. So you need to handle business when it's presented. I not in the first ten games of the season. If this was if this was a few months from now, I we can. It's a totally different discussion. If your expectations are up here, then you're lowering your expectations. That's that's you're lowering your expectations. I never expected this team to be all time great. And I don't care about, no, I don't care about I'm not, beating, beating the Nets without KD and Kyrie doesn't make you all time great. Every team has bad losses. That's my point. One bad loss this early in the season is not, is not doing anything to me. That's all I'm getting at. Okay. Pa- those pile up because the Cavs lost because those, I mean, that meant that mentality piles up because you said the same thing about the Cavs loss. Oh, it's a bad loss, but everyone has a bad loss. So get Listen, over it. Here's, that here's kind of stuff adds up. You're just going to keep allowing them to have bad losses, losses, bad losses, bad, bad losses. losses. Yeah. Not great, but. The 76ers, all their bad losses, they come down to one man. It's Joel Embiid and basically him not being there. I mean, he played for the Nets, but that guy wasn't there, you know? The 76ers are doing nothing if Joel Embiid's not playing. Like, you're saying injuries happen. If Joel Embiid injured, it gets injured, you can chalk the season up for the Sixers, okay? So the way I look at it, and, and it's problem, like, I agree, it's a bit problematic, but it's Joel's second night on a back-to-back. He's not used to it. That worries me. But I'm saying talk to me when it's playoff time. I mean – Maybe not playoff time, but talk to me down the season. Let's see how he does on back-to-backs. I'm not going to get worried based off of that one game, of that one instance. Bad loss, yes. Am I worried? You're also, no. you're also forgetting that it's not a whole lot of games, but you have 10 less games in this regular season. So that's 10 less opportunities to kind of get stuff right and fix stuff. It, games matter a little more this season. A, little, a tiny bit more. A that's smidge fair. more. A smidge more, they matter. And I just think that it, an opportunity to, to, to get up on a team, especially the Nets, where you know you're playing them three times this season now. The opportunity to beat them once where they don't have their best stars just came and went. And now the next two times you're gonna play the Nets are gonna be with KD and Kyrie. Completely different. Not worried. Not worried about the Nets. They're gonna collapse. Yeah, you keep that. You keep that mentality. Whatever helps y'all sleep at night, really. Whatever helps, whatever gets the boat rolling. All right. So we got a next we we got another tough week coming up. And they're playing the Hawks right now with Joel Embiid on the court. Granted, he is dominating right now against the Hawks, but there's a oh back-to-back gosh. tomorrow with the first game out of two against the Miami Heat. So, oh, man. we all kind of know what that means. Uh, with then a, uh, so, two games against the, uh, the Heat after this. A game against the Grizzlies, the Thunder, and then two against the Celtics. And then it's another back-to-back with those Grizzlies and Thunder games. Tomorrow, so, the end of the month? I'm sorry? What does that bring us to? The end of the month? <laughs> uh yeah that's what the second uh the second celtics game is on the 22nd then we go uh pistons for two yeah. lakers uh on the 27th you know january flies you know january timberwolves flies. on the 29th and then the pacers to round out the month of january mm. 
Um, so it's it's going to be in twenty days. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so. Well, I mean, one they have five game and five games in seven days right now, and then um, it's 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 a lot of games to round out the month of January. Um, so we're going to find out a lot. And one of the reasons why that Denver Nuggets game was so um, entertaining to watch without the the lack of star power was the young guys. Um, the young guys actually put on quite a show, obviously highlighted by Tyrese Maxey's 39 point night, which is, is definitely something to write home about. Um, Victory lap. Exactly. I mean, even, even guys like uh, Paul Reed and Isaiah Joe um, are, are, are showing that they can be, they can be fun to watch. Fun fact, uh, Isaiah Joe is, is uh, shooting a hundred percent from three this game as well. Um, kids got a nice second shot, but Could've how do we, so, after, so after the other day, but I don't want to, I don't want to say, say that. it again. No, I, I just, I was making a joke that Isaiah Joe shot pretty poorly the other day. That's four for 18. Yeah, I, I said, poorly. I said, good looking. I didn't say good yet. Um, <laughs> But uh, Josh, I'm going to come to you first with this, man. Um, do, ha, ha, one, how do you see this week coming up with the, with this kind of gauntlet? I mean, it, it's it's not the toughest teams in the league. Granted, Boston is hot. Um, but how do you see this week going? And tell me if you can see Tyrese Maxey actually running this offense for good. Ooh, well, I mean, first of all, I think five games in seven days is going to be rough. Like, I, I don't think they're going to lose out or anything like that. But I, I just I think it's going to be rough. And, and it's because of Embiid. The, the, the team is built around Embiid, and now you have this whole COVID thing. It's going to be rough, but I think when we look back on the season, it's going to be a big turning point for the Sixers. Like, like you just you got to get this out of the way, learn a bit about yourself. Glenn can learn a bit about his team. And when it's all said and done, I think this five-game stretch will actually benefit them. But this week, I'm really not feeling too good. They're going to drop one of those heat games. They might drop one of those – they might drop game to the Thunder. Like, I think it's going to be a bad loss this week, without a doubt. But uh, Maxi, that is something that excites me a lot. Like, for sure, right away, rookie year, he can just run things. Sixers haven't seen that since Michael Carter-Williams. I mean, I guess Ben Simmons, but he's a bit of an anomaly. But just a pure point guard who can run an offense. Haven't seen that since Michael Carter-Williams. I've got my total faith in Tyrese Maxey. And something that I was thinking about is, is a second unit. Well, I guess because you got so little guys now, this would be a first unit. Tyrese Maxey at the point, Shake Milton playing shooting guard, and maybe have like Danny Green play small forward, run a real small ball lineup there. And you have uh, Tyrese Maxey running point guard and, and Shake as your like, Shake as a shooter. Gosh, that excites me a lot, especially for a team that's a de- like a depleted unit to be able to rely on your, your guard like Maxey. I'm all in. Like, how can you not be? That guy can run this offense. Yeah. I'm seeing well, way too much of Tony Bradley. Um, but Max, tell, uh, Max, tell me how you think this week is going to go and uh, what your thoughts are on Tyrese Maxey. Um, well, I, I'll start with Maxey because, you know, like I did, like I did interject with, this is a small victory lap for me, but hate to be the party group here. I, I don't know. I second unit. Absolutely. He should hundred percent be having the ball every single possession. I, I think we need to slow the roll with, with talks about That's, him yeah, being in near the exactly end. He, he still plays like a rookie as in mm-hmm. he, he still plays at, at, you know, he plays at the same speed. And this sounds kind of weird, but ironically, JJ's boy, Chris Paul is maybe the best example of this in terms of how the person handling the ball dictates the the tempo of a team's offense. You know, when they stop, mm-hmm. when they start, you know, when, when the motion needs to start, who knows he's be going where Tyrese Maxey is, he's a dog. I, I think that's a good way to describe him. He, he is not afraid to drive at somebody's chest and, and I forget who it was, but he went right at, he, he kept going right at um 
I mean, at Jokic and Paul and Millsap, Millsap, yeah. when Millsap was in, whoever was guarding the rim for Denver is more or less what I'm getting at. He had no problem go writing, going right into their chest. And I know Jokic is not, you know, Jokic is not indeed or Dwight Howard or, or even, you know, Rudy Gobert in terms of their, their rim presence, but you know, Jokic is still a seven foot plus dude. And he's still a lot taller than Tyrese Maxey. My point is, is that the dude plays, you know, incredibly well downhill, but I, I have not seen enough out of him in terms of knowing how to, to orchestrate and 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 successfully run an offense, you know, under four minutes to go in a close game where mm. you know yeah. where, where you need to make sure things are crisp and 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 you know this sounds so so uh, so hypocritical of me to say because Jesus, when is the last time the Sixers have been able to run a, a decent offense in the last four minutes? So I mean, hell, maybe as I'm talking myself into it right now and live on air. So I think maybe before the end of the year we'll see it. I just don't know if I'm quite there yet. Um, to circle back to the front part of the question, uh, I think we're going to have to pick this discussion up down the road. I don't, I don't think this week of NBA games finishes. They had a meeting today Ooh, to, no. to discuss uh, a, a seven to ten day shutdown for, for teams to get healthy and stuff. And I mean, it, it's bad. It's bad how many teams are are dealing with you know multiple starters to potentially you know a quarter of the whole you know active lineup. You know, not the guys who who see two to two to 11 minutes in 35.4 quarters talking about the guys who, you know, even if they're only playing 12 to 15 minutes in an average game, if those guys are impacted by COVID. That's still a huge loss for the team. You can't, you know, you can't be the Sixers against the Nuggets the other night. I don't know if you guys looked at the box score of that game. Isaiah Joe, Tyrese Maxey played 45 minutes. Isaiah Joe played 45 minutes. Uh, it, all of them played over 40 minutes. And it's, it's insane to think that you can expect that out of teams to do that. So, I uh, I really think in, I really think the NBA is 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 primed for for a quick yeah. quick work pause. Some real mm-hmm. bad minutes out of Mike Scott in that game. Um, but JJ, uh, tell me your thoughts on this upcoming week. And uh, I, I saw you nodding your head there. Is that kind of like your echoing uh, Max's thoughts on Tyrese Maxey? Um, I'm I'm I'll get to that in a second, Max. I, I'm I'm pretty much almost on the exact same page with, as you with Tyrese Maxey. I, I'm gonna I'm move. At- as if this week does get played, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna. I had to know. throw it out there because I, I, no, I think I do think you're right. Point, no, not, I think it's a great point. Discussion, yeah. so right, I it think it's a great point. Up. But but right, just for the sake of discussion, I'm gonna act like you know this this week does get played. Yeah. But Josh, I think you do make a good point that at some point you do got to go through a stretch like this. Like the Sixers aren't the only team that's at some point gonna have a month filled of games or five games in a seven day stretch, and you get to do it in January, not March or April. Like you get to do it early, figure out something about your team, mix some lineups, figure out who's got the endurance, who's got the willpower, who's able to, to get it up, you know, and, and game five, you know, you know, when you're down the road. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it, it happens at a good time. But Max, when you talk about Tyrese Max, I'm almost at the exact same page as you when it when it comes to that, where. You know, I, you saw a lot out of them, especially you can't ignore a 39-point game. 39-point game is a 39-point game. I don't care who yeah, it's against. Because it it he got minutes, he got the opportunity. Yeah, you, you, drop, you drop almost a 40 ball. I don't care if you did it against a high school team. You yeah. dropped almost 40. That, 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 that deserves some kind of recognition. But Higher let's also any, remember. got Kentucky. Sorry. Right. No, no, you're it. But let's also remember that Tyrese Maxey was playing like that, that game. Tyrese Maxey was playing that game knowing that he wasn't coming out knowing that there was nobody else mm-hmm. behind him, knowing that there's really nothing he could do wrong to get himself benched. Like he's, but let's just be honest. Yeah. So that comes with a lot more freedom, a lot more with, I'm just going to put my head down and go to the rim every single time. And it, it allowed him to get the dog out of him that 
he probably isn't able to get when there's a full lineup there. There's just not as much opportunity to do that. Um, so when you get everybody else back on the floor, you know, you got to realize that Tyrese Maxey, his usage rate is going to go down astronomically. Mm-hmm. Tyrese Maxey's not going to have the ball enough to drop 30, 30 to 40 points. He's just not going to. Yeah. When you have Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Seth Curry, Danny Green, and, and you know, uh, Tobias Harris and Katz, you're just not going to have the opportunity to do it. And like, Max, when you talk about the pace of play, that's the thing I noticed too. Well, there was no slowing down in Tyrese Maxey. Now, they got down 15 points, 16 points kind of quickly going into the second quarter. And at that point with Tyrese Maxey, it's just all systems go. Like, we're not, we're, we're probably not going to beat this team, but if we do have any chance of beating this team, it's just going to have to be a barrage. Like, I'm just going to have to, like, surprise hit them when they're not ready for it and, and kind of catch them off guard. But when, when a normal circumstance, you're not going to be able to do that. And I was looking to see if there was opportunity where Tyrese Maxey was going to have to be that, that point guard in the half court. Because we all mm-hmm. know my biggest gripe about the Sixers, they don't have a primary ball handler in the yeah. half court for when stuff slows down in the, later in the season or in the playoffs to kind of take that slack off of Ben Simmons. And I don't think Tyrese Maxey's head was there, so he didn't show that. He didn't show that I can slow this yep. down at some point, run a set offense, take some of the pressure off of Ben Simmons. You know, even when a possession is going bad and we got 10 in the shot clock, you know, put my hand up and get the ball back out at the top of the key, run a high pick and roll and get the pace back on it. He never did that. And I don't think he ever thought to do it. Doc Rivers probably never put that on him to do it because it was such a a weird game. But you're right, Max. I I never saw that. So in a second unit, if Tyrese Maxey can run, not the offense, but run a offense, offense. yeah, can can run it for the Sixers. I think he's more, he showed he's more incapable of do that. To put him in the first string or to put him latter four minutes of a, of a ball game and tell him to go be the point guard, I, I think there's just much to be seen for that yet. But yeah. we, have, we haven't – he hasn't been put in that role. He has been yeah. asked to do that. So I, I just don't think it's, it's realistic to expect him of that form right now. I, I really hope that they play this week, but for that exact reason, JJ, because I feel like this would be a week where you can just throw him out there and not as extreme as that Nuggets game, but, you know, you have a depleted roster. You can ben try Simmons it. Ben Simmons is actually know? hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Ben Simmons is actually hurt. So it's like, can do we want Tyrese Maxey running this offense for all 72 games this year? It's weird to say. But, like, no. But this is a good opportunity for you to be like, okay, Tyrese, let's see what you're, like, as a rookie, building for the future maybe. Like, you get that confidence. You get it in your head. Okay, this is what it's like to run an NBA offense. Here's a good test run. And the other thing is, I, I'm, I really hope they play games this week. So guys like Isaiah Joe, you know, guys like B-Ball Paul, in case there's injuries down the road, they, they get it in their head where they say, yeah, I'm an NBA player. Right. And Glenn Rivers had a quote about that saying, like, basically after he was done saying, wow, we really should not have played that game, he turned around and said, I'm happy that these guys got extended NBA minutes. Because when you're a rookie, sometimes you need that reminder, like, hey, I'm in the NBA. I deserve to be here. And I think while Maxie needs that a little less than guys like Isaiah Joe or Tony Bradley – I think that was just huge for him to have that confidence to know, like, I'm the man. Like, I'm, but I'm better but at than the these same guys time, who got Josh, ahead of me. But at the same time, Josh, they were I, – I believe – now, Doc Rivers is one of the most meticulous coaches in the NBA. But I believe they were put out there without real – no oh, real yeah. game plan. There was no real set – 100%. There was no real yeah, game plan to follow. It's like, yo – we're a JV team playing the, the best high school, yeah. the best varsity team in the country. And Just go out there and try not to get hurt. Like, and there was like, no threat of being there play. Yeah. If, if, I'm, if I'm Doc Rivers, I go and tell Tyrese Maxey, man, you go out there and you try to do whatever you can do. Whatever you can do out there tonight, you go out there and do it. And he yeah. did. He went out and dropped 39. Exactly. Awesome. Great. 
but he did it agenda list. He did it game plan list. It's completely different when I put you out there with Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, Dwight Howard, and tell you command four vets. Yeah, that's complete. Yeah. That's a completely different ball game. That's a completely different ball game. He uh, the energy he played with in the in the Denver game reminded me of like the before after after Harden and Katie left Oklahoma City. It reminded me of that Ooh. like no holds barred Russell Wilson. Like, like literally yeah, just true. energy, like energy. energy I don't care what, like yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to make it inside the paint and I'm going to be in the air. Whatever I do in the air is anybody's <laughs> best guess. Like that floater <laughs> just reminds me of just like, I'm going, whatever happens, happens. Um, mm. So he played completely off instinct, just purely off instinct. Exactly. Year. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, that's it's, it's going to be a tough stretch for the Sixers, but uh, it's going to lead to a lot of great commentary by us. So make sure you don't miss it. And you can find us in podcast forms wherever you get your podcast. We'll plug right there. Uh, we're going to skip halftime, unfortunately, because the regular season came to an end last week. So we, uh, we're, we're not going to bore you with picking. Hold on. I got to say this. Oh, oh okay. One, one, the, the biggest winner of the weekend is anyone who exposed themselves to the Nickelodeon game because that is you the watch it that was hilarious that is the future of football i'm convinced the slime <laughs> the slime zone the slime is, yeah that was pretty cool sick that was pretty cool all and right. that was talking wild card weekend yeah no that's that's all that's all you get for super wild card weekend because apparently super that's what we're calling weekend. it Damn, don't sue me nfl you know we'll, we'll 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 figure it out super wild card wild card it's still wild card in our hearts but moving on to the second half in rapid fire, we're going to do a nice little breakdown of divisional weekend. Now it's going to be pick edition. And uh, unfortunately I didn't do my homework very well. And by homework, I mean, I lost all of the picks that I had written down for us, mm. um, unfortunately. So the record starts now. Okay. All bets are uh, the record starts now. We're keeping, okay. uh, we're keeping track of them. So we're going to do rapid fire pick them edition. We're going to start in the NFC. We're going to go Rams versus Packers. All right. So right now the lines at uh, the lines at seven points for green Bay, the over under is set at 46. All right. Slow. 46. So I'm going to add, I'm going to add this to the pick them edition. Give me your best bet about the game. It can be spread. It can be money line. It can be over under. If you got a nice player prop you have in mind, cause Max, I know you're fancy yourself some player props. All right. I haven't even looked at any of that. I don't know any off the top of my head. Maybe, oh, maybe okay. All right. Well, hey, then then stick to the stick to the big three. All right. So, Max, right. I'm gonna have you go first, my guy. I mean, it sucks because last week the Rams did the same thing, where it's like they might be starting a quarterback and they might not be. Um, I, I don't even. I have to get this off my mind really quick. If your typical starting quarterback is any type of healthy enough to play in a playoff game. Unless that thumb is going to physically fall off and never <laughs> I, be able to be reattached. I didn't understand it. Yeah. It. I didn't it makes no it. sense. It makes no sense because the best thing that could have ever happened to the Rams was John Wolford getting hurt and Jared Goff coming in. And that's exactly what happened. Mm. And I hate to say that it sounds insensitive. So with that in mind, I'll take the Packers to cover in. Oh, all right. Hey, 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 I was about to and the, oh, and the under. And the under. Yes. And the under. I, I and think the Green Bay's defense is is a little bit underrated. I think False. I, I think that they have a competent enough coaching staff to to know that they need to sell out to stop the run. And Jared Goff thrives off play action enough that if you take away the run, Jair Alexander is 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 good enough corner to 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 neutralize a third of the field. He's, he he finished second team All Pro. The dude is a really really good cornerback. 
And I I'm think taking that the over, you make man. Jared Goff into a straight drop back passer. That's the clear formula to beat the Rams. Well, I see, Jared I'm Goff's taking the over the because is, is not flattering. Dude, so the, the, the Packers cannot sell out. They can't even sell out to stop the run. Did you see what Dalvin Cook did to him both times this both year? Both times, yeah. Dalvin like, Cook's different. The, Ram, yeah. the Rams are a scheme. Dalvin, Ronald Go. Oh, the Bucks game. Ronald Jones had a 100-yard rushing game on too. It's, I just I don't think the I don't think the Packers can sell out to stop the run if they want to. But, and, that's why, um, and that's why everyone's going to take the Rams, and that's why I'll be taking the Packers. They're the oh, I'm still taking the Packers. First I'm of all, taking who's the Packers, taking the? Taking you mean the everyone's taking the Rams? What you mean everyone's I taking the Rams? I'm still taking the Packers, but I'm taking the over. Easy, it's an easy over for me. Josh, who are you taking, buddy? Uh, uh, for for the record, just so we have it on tape, because I uh, not great at writing stuff down or remembering. So uh, for for the record. Max um, is going Packers in the under. Actually, I'm I'd, I'd like Packers. to just go just Packers. I, I I thought we had to choose like both. Oh, okay. Go in in conjunction. I, if I no no, no. you can go yeah you can go you can go Pat yeah. Okay. If I if I get but to pick and choose, I'm just putting I'm just putting my my confidence in the Packers covering. I, I definitely think that. Points All right. Really All right. I'm going I'm going Packers here straight up. Uh, especially if we're just talking yeah if we're just talking win or lose. It's Packers, and, and that's in one where it's like, don't overthink it. I said the same thing about the Seahawks, and, and hey, Jared Goff, a banged-up Jared Goff, proved me wrong. I throw my hands up like I said I would. But I'm going with Packers here, and, and I'm not going to touch the spreader over-under now, maybe on Friday. But uh, the bet I'll throw out right now is Devontae Adams' first touchdown because, I first of all, that guy's a touchdown machine. Jalen Ramsey or not. Jalen Ramsey or not. That guy's a touchdown machine. I got burned machine. both times I played that. I played it once this year, and I was ten to win a hundred bucks. So, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna go back to that one. Uh, he, he, not only is he a touchdown machine, times. he always scores the first touchdown. I feel like, like I don't know if you guys picked that up too. Well, banners clearly you did, and then got burned. But I, I just feel like he's always scoring the first one. Packers have the highest red zone throwing percentage. He's mm-hmm. the best first touchdown bet in and, the league. And as someone who had Aaron yeah. Jones on their team, uh, yeah, I, I learned that quickly. Yeah. Hey, don't sleep on Big Bob Tunyon either. Um, Ooh, yeah. but, Robert uh, Tunyon JJ. killed me in fantasy. Big um, Bob, JJ, Rams, Packers. So if, if I'm going just win or lose, obviously I'm, I'm going the Packers. I do think it's going to be a little closer. I think the Rams got a little bit of bravado last week and a little bit of confidence. But look, you guys know I'm the biggest Jared Goofy um, hater there is. I, I, I love talking down about him. But there's something to be said about coming off of a, a, coming into a game that you weren't supposed to play in. And leading your team to a victory against a division foe against a very tough playoff team. Like, you, you got to give credit where credit's due sometimes. So I give Jared Goff a little bit of credit for coming in and winning that game. And I think it gave the Rams a little bit of moxie. And Jalen Ramsey, after coming off a good game against DK Metcalf, is just playing with ultimate confidence right now at the defensive back position. That's the best DB in the league, hands down. And he's going to shadow Devontae Adams all game. Devontae Adams is going to get his. Devontae Adams might score. But Jalen Ramsey is definitely going to make it tough. So I can see the Packers not covering. I really could. I could see this being less than a, a touchdown game. I could see the Packers winning by a field goal or four points or something like that. Um, but I do still think the Packers win in a close game. But I think it's enough for us around the, around the NFL landscape to be like, wow, man. Like, almost like claps to the Rams. Like, yeah, yeah, y'all lost. But it's like you put up a very valiant effort, a very, very valiant effort. So I do take this the one, Packers. Th- I just don't have them covered. This game um, screams to me one that I like. I'm gonna hedge my bets. Like I, I feel like I'm gonna take the Rams to cover just to to have it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this. I don't know why. It just it's 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 
It's screaming at me. The line right now, seven, seven for seven for some reason screaming at me. Um, but we're gonna move on into the AFC. And this one, the Ravens and the Bills. All right. All right. The line starts out Buffalo minus two and a half. Okay. Over under set at 50. I don't know how I feel about 50 for the over under right now. JJ, what's what, what what's this line telling you? Um 50, I think, is a pretty good one. Um, it's it's a very pass-happy offense versus a very run-happy offense. I think it might be a little high, um, but I, I think it's it's a, a pretty fair one. Um, I would take – I'm going to take the under just as I don't think the, the Ravens keep pace with the Bills personally. I think the Ravens had a very good game last week. I think they showed their moxie against the Titans, but that's two running offenses. I think the Bills pose a, a completely different style of, of offense for the Ravens, the Ravens were able to, to kind of shut down Derrick Henry in the run game last or yesterday or yesterday, last week in, in wildcard weekend. I don't think they have the same success when Josh Allen starts throwing that thing all around the field like he's normally doing. Um, so I think I think the Bills um, I think the Bills cover. I think the Bills definitely, you know, win by, uh, you know, more than two and a half. And I'm definitely taking the Bills in this one. I love the Ravens. I picked the Ravens last week to win. Lamar got that playoff win monkey off of his back. But they're, they're going and facing a Bills team that has literally has been hitting on all cylinders for like the last six or seven weeks. Like the Bills are one of the best teams in the NFL right now. And I think they're on a crash course to hit the Chiefs in the AFC title game. And it starts with a win against the Ravens. It's going to be a good game. Doc Lock, what's this line telling you, man? Baltimore, Buffalo. I, I hate to be the guy to pick against the Bills two weeks in a row, but I, I'm going with the Ravens this week to win. Money line. Have you not learned? Right. Have you not hey. learned, Doc? Well, I did. Hey, I learned last week that the Colts spread was uh, that was free money right there. Six and a half for a good old Frank Reich. I'll take that one. But the Ravens, man, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's just it's the two hottest teams. I feel their moxie, you know, and, and I've loved Lamar. I've been loving him ever since he's been Lamar pretty much. That game, JJ, you said it. It's a running team versus a passing team, but the, just like it's an explosive run that the Ravens have. And they're one or two explosive runs. The way J.K. Dobbins gets out in open field, the way Lamar gets out in open field, I, I, I'm taking the Ravens. And I'm also going to take the over because I just think that there's no way you can stop the Bills. You can only slow them down a little. 28 points against the Colts was slowing them down, which I think the Ravens are going to be capable of replicating. This is like a 24-28, like – Teeter around they 30 for both teams. Nah, the Ravens were able to do that because the Titans run the ball so much. Not when the, not when the Bills start like when the Bills see give them five wide for three out of the four downs. Like I don't, I don't think the Ravens are prepared for that. Right, and but the if, Titans if, defense was bad. They were bad. Bad tackling. I, I, I will not the, deny the that. The Bills defense is much more much more disciplined than Titans defense. I don't think they're going to allow Lamar Jackson to get out in the open field like that. But I like what I saw from Lamar's arm too. I mean, I've never, I've never been, I've never harped on that as much as other people, but people really harp on his throwing. I, I think he's got a good arm. There's no Josh Allen, but if, if that's the difference maker for you, I was impressed with what I saw in that game. All right, Max A million. Tell me, tell me what the digits are speaking to you. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking that you're crazy if you're picking against the Bills this week because <laughs> the Titans were a bottom five defense and the Ravens, the Ravens struggled for a full 60 minutes to score 20. The fact, honestly, the fact that the Titans didn't win that game is is very, very surprising to me because the Titans haven't been able to stop anybody on defense, and and Ryan Tannehill has has had to. I mean, Derrick Henry obviously has been crazy, been been exceptionally good this year, but you know there have been a lot of times where Tennessee's found themselves you know down double digits early, and, and Ryan Tannehill has has kind of gone underappreciated in 
in, uh, in in having to throw them back into some games to to get the, you know there's been a lot of games this year where Derrick Henry is ineffective in the first half because they find they find themselves so far behind and then he takes over the second half when yep. you know the Titans offense is able to claw back a little bit closer after you know a big AJ Brown or, or, or Corey Davis play that's that's been a, a big trend for them this year yep. um, I think it's really as simple as who is who? Who is going to stop? I mean, JJ, you, you nailed it, dude. You really did. With with who's gonna who's gonna stop the, the Bills when when Josh Allen spreads them four or five wide? Because if they go four wide and they keep Singletary in the backfield, Singletary got great usage last week as, as a runner and a passer. You have to you have to stay honest with him. I would be I would be pretty surprised if, if we didn't see a I don't want to say a vintage Bills performance because they haven't been doing it long enough, but I think we should see a very not like a yeah, Bills has what they've been doing all season. I think that I think that they maybe will start slow. I think that they'll maybe start slow, but I, I think that that team that team is is I don't want to say like the Ravens aren't, but that team that Bills team is a family. They they are a bunch of guys who have really come together this year. Mm-hmm. And and they're going to be at home again. There's going to be fans in that stadium oh, again. Okay. I am not picking against the Bills if they have fans at a at a, at a playoff game. I'm just yeah. I'm, I just can't. Yeah, Lamar's got to go to a uh, a cold Buffalo stadium uh, at this point of the year. I it's I like the over. Um, I like the over in this one. This just just said I don't know why the, the over's talking to me. Um, okay. Mainly because I, I I just think Buffalo's going to run roughshod on them. There's not really. Uh, Marlon Humphrey, he got, he got injured. Um, he got exposed a little bit too. Yeah, so I, I think that's where the exposition started when, when he got injured, like, well, it was week 16. I think he went down, um, mm. for a little bit. He came back. I think it was like a, I think it was like an ankle injury uh, outside of him, like Jimmy Smith, like anybody, they, they have nobody that can cover Stephon Diggs. Um, and Cole Beasley has been the best slot receiver in the league this year. It's yeah, just if you, like, if you want a player prop, you go over on Cole Beasley reception. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. This, and this I, is hey, going to be a game. The, the Ravens are a much different test than the Colts. This Ravens team, this Ravens team had, had, you know, they had the Super Bowl right in front of them last year. They were, they were the darling team going into the playoffs and they're going to be a tough out. I, I think that, I think this is going to be a tough out. I really do. I think this is going to be, I think it's going to be a really, really competitive game. I think this is that, going to be a great game that, to watch. That, that, that I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if, if this ends up being a, a 26, 24 game and, and that, that two and a half just absolutely nails everybody like me. Who's like, that's, that's too small for the Bills. Yep. So we're going to move on. It's actually funny. So we have a, uh, a one and a six versus a two and a five in both the AFC and the NFC. So we're moving over. Uh, we just did the two and a five in the AFC. So we're going to move to the one and six matchup in the AFC with Kansas city versus the Cleveland Browns who just got their first playoff victory since 1995. Like boys, the Cleveland, they, they done did it. The done Browns did. done did the thing. The Browns they is did. the Browns. They done did the thing. Remember when I asked y'all when do we take the Browns seriously? That was what five six weeks ago. And like well, here we in are. in the words Brown of Chase, five. in the words of Chase Claypool, they're gonna get clapped next week anyway. So oh, <laughs> you know what I mean. Eddie. Um, but the, the line right now is sitting at minus ten for uh for for Kansas City. Wild. Ten uh, point ten like, point favorites on a playoff game. I, I, I ten, ten point favorites, and the over unders at fifty six. Like that's. <laughs> it's it's kind of staggering max what 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 does that tell you what are those the speaker of digits what what are you hearing i mean i would love to get a professional like like dr Locke's opinion on this as well 
but I mean, I'll be damned if these aren't some sucker lines here. This yeah. is an easy oh, Browns yeah. under game. Easy, 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 easy Browns under game. We know the only only way to contain this Chiefs offense is to not let them have the ball. The Browns are lucky enough to have two of the te- two of the best 12, 10 running backs in the league. And I- I'm not I'm absolutely not gonna pick the Browns to win this game. I, I don't know. I-, I don't know how I don't know how this Browns team can straight up beat Kansas City. But fact of the matter is Kansas City looked I don't want to say they don't they don't look sluggish all year. They definitely looked a little sluggish down the stretch, but Kansas City has been sleepwalking through first halves all year. Sleepwalking through first halves this year. How many times this year have we seen a Tyree kill bomb within the first five minutes of the third quarter in a tie game or a, a one possession game one way or the other? The Chiefs absolutely they they are they are the reason the term flip the switch was invented because it took them one postseason championship run to realize that they can flip the switch every single game, finish 15 or 14 no they finished 15 and one they didn't even mm-hmm. lose the yeah. last game of the year they can or no yes they did they ended up, so they ended up going 14, 14. Are they, 14 they realized that they could flip the switch every single game and now the switch is about to come back on for real i think that that mentality is always a little bit dangerous in terms of what happens when the switch doesn't flip on immediately i think that might be what kind of happens the browns are, are obviously riding on the craziest high that that franchise has has I'm going to say ever experienced because quite frankly, the Steelers are their mom, their dad, stepdad, stepmom, and legal guardian in all 50 states, Puerto mm. Rico and, and the Dominican Republic. That's how yeah. bad the Steelers have owned the Cleveland Browns franchise in this modern era, right? That is, that is a, this is a literally, I don't want to be dramatic. That is a franchise changing moment for that. Mm-hmm. Team. That organization now believes in itself to a degree they never have before in, in this modern era. So I, I think the Browns come out. I think they'll play spirited. I think they will run the living hell out of the ball. I will even go as far as say, if you're feeling particularly saucy Browns first half money line, if you're feeling Ooh. saucy, wow. I'm not going to say it's happened, but I would not be shocked if I the like Browns it. can sneak out a 13 to 10 lead at halftime. I wouldn't, I really mm. wouldn't. I think the second half, the chiefs will absolutely come alive. Like they usually do. Andy Reid will realize that Tyree kill McCole Hardman, Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins can run past anybody who's covering them. So I think that they'll take control, but I think that, I think that everybody just expects Chase Claypool to be right. And the Browns get clapped. And, and I don't think so. I just don't. See, I think if you're feeling, I think for feeling spicy, you go over on, uh, on the, the Nick Chubb receiving yards. He actually got some play. Yeah. As a uh, receiver out of the backfield yesterday, which is which is I mean obviously Kareem Hunt, that w- that's his role. Um, Nick Chubb's the the ground and pound guy. I think that's my that's my player prop for that game. But Josh, what's this uh, what's what, what's this uh, line telling you, man? Ten points for Kansas City and over under fifty six. Scary, a scary line, especially on a Monday. Like this is one of those things that I think come come game time, it's not going to be at minus ten. Whether everyone's going to be tricked into Kansas City and it'll go up. Or everyone's going to be looking at it saying 10 points, give me the Browns, and it'll be around eight by game time. But uh, look, the, Ch- the Chiefs are going to win. It's, it's hard because I really firmly believe momentum is, is so much greater than a week of rest. Like I feel like the last 10 years of playoff sports and all sports has kind of shown us that momentum is, is greater than rest. And it's scary because there's – Max, you said it. Like there's, there's a path where the Cleveland Browns win this game – I'm just not going to be the guy who who goes and says that that's going to happen. The Chiefs are going to win this game, but the over and the over under, I would take the under. I, I got to take the under with 56. That's another thing I might that might change, but yeah, I'm going to take the under 56. I, I just don't see Patrick Mahomes losing to the Cleveland Browns. Not the Browns. Not the Browns. And, and, and the other thing is unrelated. 
I cannot wait for the storylines to come out if the Browns lose. And, and you know, Cleveland's athletic articles are going to be like, oh, is Stefanski the coach? Because when he was there, they lost. Like, I don't know. I was thinking about that from a Philly perspective and just all the controversy that would arise if the – Not remember. everywhere is Philly, Josh. Not everywhere. Not everywhere. Oh, it's, it's out of a molehill. Not it's hard. Down. It's hard. But I kind of – it's all I know, man. So mm-hmm. I was just thinking about that. But, hey – Right now, I take Browns plus ten, but that's right now. We'll see how I feel on Friday. All right, JJ, um, you'd be an absolute like like Max said for the last game. You'd be an absolute fool to pick the to to pick against the Chiefs and pick yeah. the Browns. I get that they're like the sexy team right now. I get they're coming off a really impressive win, um, but there's something telling me that the Browns, although the the formula Max you hit it on the head, the formula to beat the Chiefs is literally just keep their offense on the sideline for as long as you possibly can. Take the air out of the ball, long, sustained drives, and end them in points so that Patrick Mahomes doesn't have the opportunity to put up to put up numbers. But the Browns' biggest wins this year is when they put up a lot of points. And they did it again yesterday. When they mm-hmm. beat the Steelers, they put up a lot of points. So I think there's something about the Browns that thinks that, hey, we can keep pace with this team. We can do it. We can put up 30 to 35 because the Chiefs' defense isn't great. Chiefs defense isn't even good. So we can put up 30 to 35 and maybe get an extra possession or two and just, you know, luck turns it that we win this game. I think we're able to keep pace. And they kind of sucker themselves in to doing a track meet with Patrick Mahomes, and you're never going to win that. You're just absolutely never. never going to win that. That's playing right into the Chiefs' hands. But I think there's a part of the Browns that thinks they can do that and they're going to try. So I think this game does go maybe a little high scoring. Patrick Mahomes does a little villain hand rub thing where yeah this is what i wanted this i wanted you guys to do this go ahead and try to think that you can you can win this game birdman hand rub style and you know i'm up so you know I, it's tough josh like that that line is a little tough is is a little baity right now with the mm-hmm. chiefs minus 10 i think anytime a, a team is a double digit uh favorite yeah. in the playoff game is kind of wild like it, it's we're well, in the divisional round we're in a divisional, but still, but still, that's that's still a ten point lead. But it's it's the Kansas City Chiefs, so I might I might take it, and I'm taking the over. All right, we are going back, 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 back to the, the NFC. Grand finale in the NFC. I love grand how you make this the NFC. last one every single time. I do, yeah, yeah. I do, I do. And, and, and you know I'm going, it. you know I'm going to you last. So Max, man, I'm sweating. <laughs> we got the New Orleans Saints, um, the Aints, as they should be called versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, the line is opening up at minus three for New Orleans. The over-under is 52. What do you think? It's high. I think we should get ready to fire them goddamn cannons. Let's go! I, I said I said Let's it last week, man. It is too goddamn tough to beat a team three times in, in, in the same season. And, I mean – Honestly, this just this this feels like an alignment of stars for the Bucks, right? You got the 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 two prior losses, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, all the storylines there. One one of them is defying age, still the other one has, you know, a foot in the in the retirement home door. You know, the defenses are are kind of similar in terms of you know their their defensive line can just absolutely destroy you whether you're passing or running. They have you know, they're, they're prone to kind of giving up big plays in the secondary, but that doesn't make their secondary bad linebacker has, you know, one stud linebacker leading the charge. And, and, and I see a lot of similarities in these teams and their defenses, but I, 
I think this is going to be this game is the reason why Bruce Arians caved and let Antonio Brown join his team because no, but honestly, I don't even want to sound like this is a shot at JJ or anything. I can't think of a single current situation in, in the NFL where, where one guy owns another guy like Marshawn Lattimore owns Mike Evans. And it's, it's very perplexing Mm -hmm. because Lattimore plays more or less bang average against most teams, but Mike Evans has gone, I think two or three straight games without a catch under Lattimore's coverage. He did get hurt really early in one of those games, but Mm -hmm. Lattimore, Lattimore gets in that dude's head instantly. And, and I think that, I think that this is the game that you brought Antonio Brown in for because you lose one, one number one wide receiver. Like, I don't, I don't want to be too like overreactionary. There's a legitimate chance Mike Evans get eject, gets ejected from this game because of Marshawn Lattimore at some point. Like, that is, that is like a, a feasible possibility to happen. Well, the last time Mike Evans got ejected is when Jameis Winston was doing the taunt thing. And who did Mike Evans come in and come in yeah. shoulder to get him ejected? Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore, exactly. So it, 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 there is literally a precedent for this thing in the past. And I think that, I think that that when you know if you lose a number one guy like Mike Evans, not a lot of guys, not a lot of teams have the option to replace him with another number one guy. And I, I think this, I think this game is the Antonio Brown game. I think this is a a a two touchdown. I, I think that you want a player prop, just take Antonio Brown over receptions to, to score any time. If you're feeling saucy, throw two or more touchdowns on there. I think this, I think this is the Antonio Brown. All right, Josh. What 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 are you what, what are you hearing, man? Got, what is, Doc Lock, What are you hearing, up, Max? I mean, I've been I've been picking against them all year, and something's different this time around. We're firing the cannons all around the board here. Bucks money line would be my pick. What what what? No, I'm talking about going all the way around the board. That doesn't make me feel good because of course no, I'm it shouldn't. That definitely should. Oh, that no. makes me feel terrible. It shouldn't, but but it, it, I'm shocked it's happening because last week me and Max were trying to pick against the Bucks. This week <laughs> it's a different story. Like I'm sitting here, I'm looking at the game. I'm like, I look down, I look up. I can't. I'm picking the Bucks. I can't believe it. And and, and look, yeah, the the two the two. I'm I'm a big proponent for it. You can, you can't beat a team three times unless they're really bad, and the Bucks are not really bad. Like they are going to, I, they're going to win. You can't beat a team three times. And JJ, we were talking about this before the show started. I think a lot of this game comes down to Devin White, like his status for the game. And and you said it. He's not the best coverage guy, but he's fast. And and no linebacker has quite the speed to keep up with Al Kamara. And I think that's where the game is going to be won or lost. Can you slow down Alvin Kamara? And I think Devin White's going to be able to do it. The Bucks do the Bucks the do Bucks, the best we, job against him consistently than any mm-hmm. other. Team. I literally was just about to say that, Max. Mm-hmm. We're the only team in the NFL that consistently slows down Alvin and, Kamara. Right, so. and because of that, that's I'm picking the Bucks straight up. No, no points necessary. Give me that. I think it's line. almost more surprising you guys haven't beat the Saints this year, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of throw out that tobacco on Sunday night. I kind of throw that out, you know, of of the air. That was just I don't know what was going on that game. That was that's your that's your throw out the tape game. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we were it's down like twenty seven nothing in the first quarter. Like I, I just I don't even know what was going on in that game. So like, I kind of just you know, regardless, I, I let it fly. Um, but this does you talk about the storylines, Max? This does doesn't this like kind of smell like the game where Tom Brady uh, upsets Drew Brees, kind of puts him in the retirement, puts him in the retirement home for good, and and, and kind of says like you know there's two goats on this field, but there's one goat. Like there's two like you know yeah this weekend you know, first team, first ball hall of famers. Sure. There's two hall of famers on this field, but there's one goat on this field. And I got to remind everyone who the goat is on this field really quick. Um, of course, I'm not going to go against my team, but there, there are legitimate reasons why I do think the Buccaneers are going to win. You guys kind of hit 
on the you know both both of these teams have a bevy of weapons. Both both of these teams absolutely do on the offensive end, and it's just it's just so hard to cover all of them. If the Buccaneers are hitting on all cylinders, once we are hitting on all cylinders, we're one of the most dangerous offenses in the NFL. But what I think we're going to be able to do that the Saints aren't is I think we're going to be able to find that balance between the run and pass. Like they're, they're, I think we're going to find some success, you know, with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. You talk about someone who's coming onto the scene as Antonio Brown is. Leonard Fournette the past three games has been astounding. And he had the best game of his Buccaneers career last week in the playoffs this, this past weekend. And I think that continues. That was huge too. Ronald Jones was scratched, what, like 10 minutes before 10 the minutes before the game. And Leonard Fournette picked it up like it was nothing. Leonard Fournette came in and had an absolutely one hell of a game. And I think that continues. And that's the great equalizer. If, if our offense becomes balanced, not just pass heavy, if Tom doesn't have to throw 50 to 55 times, if we can keep that the, the 35 to 40 range and Leonard Fournette has a healthy 15 to 20 attempts and they're productive and you have a score there, that's why I think that's the – the, the scale gets tipped into the Buccaneers' favor. So, you know what I'm going to say, man? Fire, fire them damn cannons all over the field, bro. We going to the NFC Championship game. Yes, sir. So, this one, um, I, I forget who said it, but I'm pretty sure Drew Brees is already getting paid from that that uh, broadcast deal he signed. Like, that yeah. dude is he, – he's he ready. He ready. He's ready, man. And I'll get, you know what? If you're feeling saucy – I'm going to go out and call it right now. I'm going to go Bucks outright, and I think it's a Scotty Miller game. Yeah, I like That's that. That's a great call. That's a great call, Banners. I think it's call. the Scott. Like, I were looking back at this man, Scotty Miller. He might not go for like a buck 50, but I can see this being like a like a Scotty Miller, like 82 yard do, game. Do we like know if this touchdowns. is a, like, this it's going to be a, a game? saucy game. Do we know if this I, is yeah. I think it's the night game. game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. Yeah, this is definitely Scotty, Scotty Miller. Yeah. Definitely. This well, is, here's yeah, where Scotty Miller like comes in. Like only had two snaps last week. They're, they're saving them. They're, they're hiding them in the back pocket. Scott, yeah, Scotty Miller. Gonna, I, I, I can feel it. I can feel it. It's going to yeah. be like like 67 to like high 70 yards. Mm-hmm. On three like catches. Three on three catches. Yeah. One of them's going to be like a 50-yard bomb. Yeah. Yep. It's, exactly it's going to be crazy. So I'm calling it right now. Bucks outright. Scotty Miller game. We really Bucky. clean We really clean sweep. Oh, no one I wants to change to the Saints. Like, no one wants to pick the Saints because that just doesn't make me feel good at all. I mean, like, I can never they're... do it. I, I, think the the time, confidence. I think by the thank time this the game rolls around, I won't be surprised if the Bucks are favored. I, I just – Good call. The, well, the, the Saints, Saints only get so those three because un- they're at home. So, it, it technically yeah. is an even line. Well, yeah, let's – they, the game, Saints yeah. are a completely different team in the Superdome. Um, So, I mean, they 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 are a great team at home. I just Yeah, but come on, man. Drew Brees in the playoffs the last two years. Say it with me. No, that's – and that's shaky, shaky baby. Shaky baby. man. I've seen it firsthand. I've seen it firsthand how, mm-hmm. how the Saints can crumble in the playoffs. That's why I'm, I'm going Bucks outright. Um, It's just – I don't. I, I agree with Max. I don't think the Bucks will be favored just because obviously they're they're the home team. But it's just. I don't. And my see defense it. is good for one to two takeaways a game. They're we're yep. good for. I, I really think the main reason is that the the one thing that I said about both defenses, but I said this about both defenses. Both are prone to giving up big plays, but the issue is the Saints don't generate any big plays. Right. All their big plays have have been you know have been short plays that turn into big plays. They have yeah. not been mm-hmm. been pushing the ball down the field in terms of air yards. They just haven't. So. I really think that's, I really think that's the biggest difference because week one Tampa Bay, you can't, you you were not prepared for for half of Drew Brees' ribs to be shattered and his arm to be Peyton Manning in his last year. Right? You you just didn't you didn't plan that yeah, plan or prepare for that. You you gave him the 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 respect he deserved as an all time great quarterback. And quite honestly, I, I think Bruce Arians is is kind of a, I think you would agree with me. He's kind of a guy with an ego. I think that 
he'll he'll know that like what the hell am I doing? This guy, this guy can't like I literally think Bruce Arians is the kind of guy that'll say, What the hell am I doing? This guy can't play anymore. Like he's the kind of guy yeah. to like think that, but not in a disrespectful way. No, he's the guy to think that and to go tell Todd Bowles pressure that the he's exactly that's what I mean. Like, all like game. Bruce Arians is not back, gonna yeah. let so Bruce Arians is not gonna let Drew Brees game manager him out of the playoffs. He's yeah, not no. Yep. Well, we're gonna move into to tap out. Gentlemen, who's got a good tap out for us this week? had one and i forget it i, I have a good one earlier. i have a good one and Go mine kind of stays on the theme of what we were talking about we touched on it earlier with the uh the nba falling into to nfl territory you know with how they're dealing with covid but we we talked about you know at the end of the the nba season all all four of us gave such a uh a praise and a, and a standing ovation to adam silver for having one of the best gm seasons baby in sports history for how he dealt with not only COVID in the bubble, but allowing his players to take on social injustice head on and not silencing any of them and do exactly what they wanted to do. And he's still doing that from that standpoint. So I'm not going to talk about, you know, his, his performance or the NBA's performance from that standpoint. But after they had their championship season in the bubble, the NBA went right back to, to everyone else and, and to treating COVID and just adopting COVID into their life as if it's not a disease and a pandemic that's out here killing people. And this resumed stuff into normal. And now they're feeling the residual effects that the the MLB and the NFL and every other major sports league that kind of just continued as of normal and and into the, into the the storm that is COVID and they're, and they're seeing the, the, the drawbacks from it. And, you know, it's kind of head scratching if you're the NBA of, if you've seen how well it can, it can go if you take the proper precautions, if you if you actually treat it as it is a disease and mend your season so that you can have a full season, mend your protocols so that you can have a full season. I'm very perplexed by how the NBA, after what they just did, goes back to normalcy and is now surprised when they have to start canceling games and when full rosters get COVID and when it's derailing the season. In the NBA, has, you should not be surprised. There should not be a shock to you, and you really have nowhere to blame but yourself. And I'm like really disappointed with the NBA because they were the one league that we could point to and say they did it correct. They did it 100% exactly correct. And now they, they just soiled themselves. So the, the NBA is in jeopardy of, like Max said earlier, of having this 7- to 10-day hiatus where they got to tell everyone to go bunker up and, and to go quarantine. And, you know, may not, you know, may not have to finish the rest of this week. And who knows what happens after that. But, you know, the NBA kind of shot themselves in the foot here. And I think it was very unnecessary. I didn't think they had to do it. All right. So before anybody else goes, um, JJ, you touched on a disease, um, the, the, the idea of a disease. And unfortunately, this past week has showed us how really diseased this country is. Um, and it, 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 I saw I saw a video of there there's that whole rush of videos online of the the Trump supporters trying to fly home from DC and I saw a video of a man being arrested in an airport with police officers on top of him and he had not not only just the the unmitigated gall like and even that phrase doesn't even do it justice he said, he yelled, for, for anybody who was in earshot, you're treating me like a black man. Yeah. Now, 
I'm not sure if I'm quite eloquent enough with words to put together how absolutely messed up that is. Um, and, and how there are still people that one think that way to support that kind of thinking and three push that upon others. Um, but we haven't seen this type of event since, since the war of 1812, when the, when the Capitol building was set on fire. Um, yeah, it, it's, we, we spend how many trillions of dollars a year on, on, on national security. And yet our Capitol building had its windows busted like my 2005 F-150. I'm not quite sure if there's a fix other than termination. And I don't mean termination in terms of, of, of death. Um, it can be as simple as imprisonment. Um, but this, th- this needs to be dealt with. This was an act of insurrection. This was, was an attempted coup. And everything that stands behind it and anybody who supports it, um, one, please don't watch this show. Two, if you know me, don't. And three, <laughs> take, a, take a hard it, look it, at yourself. Th- and yeah. three, you're not the only ones that can fight for what you believe in. So talk to them. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's all I need to say. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who, who's next? Very well said. Very well nothing, said. Especially compared to that. No, I mean, banners i'm the same all week there was no doubt in my mind what my tap out was it was just there was nothing that like super super wild card weekend was just a great distraction and it really was nothing more than that like i had a great weekend but that that event at the at capitol hill was i think was the craziest thing that i've ever seen i can't remember 9 11 so this was literally the craziest thing that i might have ever seen and i think worst of all it wasn't the most shocking thing either It, it was something that seemed like it was coming for a while and and it was just it was just terrible and for me it, it showed how clearly there is a right side of history and there was a wrong side of history and it's just so obvious which side is which banners that you said it man I don't, I don't know what the solution is but it's just never been more obvious how screwed up things are and i'm just hopeful that this is a a, a measuring stick a benchmark and in the time where people Say, but punched a few people in the face, I'm hoping, and showed them the extent of how troubled this country is. So that's my tap out. And let's hope things at least get better a little yeah, bit. And the only thing I have to add to that, which banners, I was just so, so you said you're not eloquent enough with your words. That, that was just, that was beautifully put, by the way. Um, but when you look at, you know, you know, there were some people who were in support, some very, you know, questionable people who were in support of what happened at the Capitol building and, and they were citing the riots and the looting that were happening over the summer. And I, I just, I have to point out the glaring differences in the two. One, um, a, a target getting broken into and the Capitol building getting broken into are two completely different things. Um, no one, no, no one who was in support of Black Lives Matter broke into any government building and went and put their feet on somebody's desk and were stealing podiums and taking it. Like, no, not, nothing of that sort was ever happening. And the reason why people were rioting and looting in the summer is because to protest the, the unwrongful death of unarmed, unarmed black people, that, that's what they were protesting. The people who stormed the Capitol building were, quote unquote, Losers. protesting a, a, a fair and just Senate race. That's all they were protesting. They were upset because they lost the Senate in one state. That's, that's it. 
So, you know, that I, I just I have to point out just the the startling differences in those two because there's there's no there's no justification for what happened. Absolutely none. And America as a whole just has to take a, a, a long look in the mirror because Dr. Martin Luther King said a long time ago, there are two different Americas. And if you haven't realized that yet, you, you need to reevaluate some things. I got one thing to let us leave on. Perhaps the most unified I've seen a large number of people in the last four years is when a certain Twitter account was permanently banned from its platform. And then basically every other medium medium uh, in, in North American geography followed suit thereafter. And that is, uh, hasn't been the most unifying thing ever, but uh, it, it, is close. Certainly, it certainly did bring a, uh, maybe a, a feeling of maybe we can start fresh from somewhere. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that's going to be it for us on Trust the Process Live. Again, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Spotify, whether that be Anchor, whether that be Apple Podcasts, or you know what? Honestly, if you find a new podcast platform, bring it to us. We'll put ourselves there. You know, we're what I mean? already there. We don't even know it. We're there. Exactly. <laughs> But that mind you, Philly, where something is always new and everything's always Philly. Fire them cannons, baby.